coming up. We, we do have the motive that he just wanted to kill people. There's not much you can do about that. Uh, hope this is brought to a just end. Uh, this is all that we can ask for. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It was just over 22 years ago, in February 1999, that the news of murders in and around Yosemite National Park started to grab national headlines. Ever since their daughter, granddaughter, and family friend disappeared right after Valentine's Day, Francis and Carol Carrington have learned to wait. They're beautiful girls that were just on the verge of growing up. Days stretched into weeks. The families kept a hopeful vigil. Sabina's parents flew in from Argentina. By the middle of March, the worst possible news. The bodies of Carol and Sylvina were found in the trunk of their burned-out rental car, dumped near Sonora. She wouldn't hurt anything or anybody, not even with words. Investigators found Julie's body a week later near Lake Don Pedro. The Carringtons tried to fill the hole in their hearts, starting their own reward fund to help other families. And they quietly waited for a break in the case. But a break in the case wouldn't come that spring. Instead, a fourth victim was identified in July. 26-year-old Joey Armstrong, a Yosemite woman who worked for the Yosemite Institute, a nonprofit organization. I'm joined by Walt Gray, longtime morning news anchor at ABC 10 in Sacramento. Walt, what can you remember about the case as reports first came in about three women who disappeared in the park? Yeah, there was um, there were uh, a mom and two girls, uh, a traveling party that had disappeared. And so obviously when that situation is happening in Yosemite, we're not far from there. So it becomes a missing persons case, tourists missing, what could have happened. Now, Yosemite obviously being a huge area where people go out and hike, you know, initially you're not really sure, you know, what's gone on as, as my memory serves. Uh, are they are they missing? Are they lost? What's the deal? And then, you know, a short time later, they turned up, you know, two of them, I think, in the back of the trunk where the, the car had been burned. And so clearly now, you know, it, it was on something. There had been an abduction, a murder. Something happened to these uh, to these missing people. And then I think shortly after the third member of the party, oh, I think was the mom. Uh, also uh, was found. So this, again, all 1999, all happening in Yosemite. That was the first thing. Finally, police caught up with the killer. It turned out to be a local handyman. His name, Kerry Stainer. The arrest must have been just huge news at the time. When Kerry Stainer was arrested, um, we we kind of thought, Stainer, Stainer, wherever we heard that name. And obviously, uh, Stephen Stainer was his brother who had been abducted years earlier and, and had resurfaced years later. So, uh, you know, it was like, my gosh, you know, what a, what an amazing family connection in the news that Carrie Stainer was Stephen Stainer's brother. And so that was the first identifier of, whoa, there's, there are more layers to this story to come uh, than we knew right at that moment. I've dug into this a bit. He actually wrote a letter to police early on on where to find that third body. So it's almost like he started this bizarre, you know, back and forth, the kind of thing you might hear in a movie of a serial killer or killer reaching out to police and giving them clues. After the first murders, he was questioned, and um, and he, he did well in the interview. He's the handyman at the local Yosemite Lodge motel where tourists stay, and apparently he checked out and, you know, he wasn't a suspect. And then after the, uh, the subsequent murder of Joey Armstrong, uh, he was somehow linked to, uh, he was up 
in the Sacramento area in Wilton, which is a remote town. He was at a nudist camp, another layer to the story. And I think he was, that's where they found him. For the past two years, Kerry Stainer rented a room above the Cedar Lodge restaurant. He worked next door at the motel as a handyman. And it was at Cedar Lodge that local teens got to know him. We were sitting there swimming. He walked in to do his job around the pool, do some handyman work. And he, Aaron hollered at him, told him to come over and meet us. And Every day after that, pretty much, that we were over there, we'd see him and talk to him for about five minutes. Parker Bevington and Aaron Ludwig both work at the Chevron just down the road from Cedar Lodge. Both young men are stunned. The man they were friendly with has apparently confessed to last week's killing. They insist he couldn't have seemed more normal. I've never even seen the man violent at all. He's never even really raised his voice, even when we're just sitting there talking. He always made us feel pretty much like... We had nothing to worry about. Never made us feel uncomfortable. Stainer would visit the nearby Merced River for relaxation, seeking spots to sunbathe in the nude. People enjoying the river today are shocked as well. Pretty disappointing because this was my, you know, my little paradise away from the city. You know, this element of it being at a national park, and you hear about stories like this, it has that element of sort of, uh, of s- someone going somewhere to relax and enjoy being in nature, and then the worst thing imaginable happening. Yeah, exactly. It's the setting which just adds more horror to it. You know, you want to get away, you want to be with your loved ones and friends, you want to enjoy the great outdoors, and then, you know, that's taken from you and in a most gruesome way. And so, yeah, I mean, there's you're right, there's that element Uh, to it as well. And as we went on and started, you know, in investigating, and obviously you're looking for motive. You're looking, okay, why? You know, and again, this goes back to my original thing of the last name of Stainer. And it's like, okay, you know, was this childhood trauma? And I think as as it turned out, you know, while his brother was missing, had been abducted in 1972, while his brother was missing, you know, his parents got detached. They were more concerned about the missing child than they were about Carrie growing up. All of the original problem with Stephen having been abducted, you know, did it play into this somehow? And as it turned out, uh, perhaps it did. A couple of years later in 2002, he was convicted and found guilty for Four counts of first-degree murder by a jury in August of 2002. Do you remember the trial, and was there a lot of hubbub, I imagine? Oh, yeah, there was a lot of trial. There was a lot of hubbub about it because of the heinousness of it, number one, it being Yosemite, number two, it being the Stainer name, number three. And, and you know, and, and in remembering all of this, and I'm just thinking, what is going on in our neck of the woods? You know, uh, and another thing is Stainer, and, you you know, a nice-looking guy, really nice-looking guy, which even, uh, you know, attracts more attention to to the story like that. But what is it about Northern California? It seems, for some reason, you know, we, we just convicted the Golden State Killer. We have the Gypsy Hill Killer. We have the Santa Rosa Hitchhiker Murderer, the Zodiac Killer, the Grim Sleeper. We have all of these guys, for some reason, the Night Stalker. We have all of these people either in California or Northern California. I mean, you know, what is it about California? Is it that there's a lot of wide open spaces where these types of things can be committed and gotten away with? There's just a lot of open countryside like Yosemite. So um, what is it about this area, you know, that that, that seems to to harbor this, this type of 
heinousness. Carrie Stainer remains on death row, and I imagine it's one of those things where appeals are filed and it could take a long time before anything happens. Yeah, California still has the death penalty in place, or the governor last year has put that on hiatus because nobody is being executed here anymore anyway. So they've kind of put a moratorium on that. So he's at San Quentin, which is where the baddest of the bad guys are. Um, he's on, on death row, but likely, you know, he's, I think, in his late 50s now. Yeah, he would be, he would be 59. So he's not going to ever see the light of day, but based on California, um, he, he's certainly not going to be executed, I don't think. He'll just, he'll die in prison. I mean, he has zero chance of being, you know, paroled or anything, so. The story sort of goes down, as you mentioned, all of these other serial killers and well-known cases. Two decades have gone by, but this the sting of, of losing two young girls and then a mother and then a 26-year-old woman, uh, I'm sure it still is uh, so, so real and it never goes away. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, if you go to Yosemite and you go past the lodge where the the deceased stayed and where Carrie Stainer was the handyman, I mean, you look at it and you just it just gives you a chill. You know that such a peaceful setting could have been, you know, the where 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 this all kind of went down. And um, you know why? You know, we're, you're always looking for why, and it's just. I think in remembering that Carrie Stainer is, he recalled that he, even as a young person, had had some thoughts or harbored some desire to, to kill women. So, you know, you have that at an early age, and then his brother abducted. You know, I always want to know why. I never want these things to be, you know, to, to, to go away without, you know, like the Vegas shooter who killed, you know, 26 people or more a couple of years ago, you know, killed himself right away, and we still don't know the motive. It's like, I got to know the motive. And in this case, you know, we we do have the motive that he just wanted to kill people. There's not much you can do about that. Walt, you're a well-known personality in the Northern California, Sacramento area. There's another case we'd like to have you back on the show sometime to talk about that uh, some folks might know your name and attach it to. Uh, Maybe give us a quick tease of that one. Yeah, the Philip Garrido case. Philip Garrido was convicted uh, of abducting a young girl at a bus stop in South Lake Tahoe 25 years ago, and uh, she was never found. And then one day it came down on the newswire that she'd been found with him, Philip Garrido. And uh, and the, the amazement was, oh, my gosh, I remember that girl. She was missing since she was a child. She's alive. That's great. And then that's when the story really begins. All right. Another case for another day. We'll have you back on. Thank you so much for talking to us, Walt Gray. Anytime. Uh, I appreciate the conversation. Good to, good to hear from you. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday, with new episodes. Be sure to let your friends and family know about The Daily Crime. We'll see you next time. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.